Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. And I am excited. I got to meet Ryan. I should have met Ryan already, probably, (laughs) because we know lots of the same people. We've been at Creative South together at the same time, but I had never had the pleasure. But when I was giving my talk, Ryan was the person I looked at and he was nodding and he was agreeing with me on things and I it was like you know you have a safe person when you're going to present something and you want that it's like your your brother or your mom or somebody that you know you can look to Ryan was that for me and then Ryan told his story um, and I was just blown away I took so many notes and then I went to his uh, his workshop which also was great but one thing I, I mean I noticed tons I actually have you, you gave us little style guides for Elevation oh, Church, yeah. which I've used in my class, but we didn't have enough for everybody. So I made sure that I have them. And now we um, we go through them and we analyze them because you've done such a great job. Anyway, I love that. And so we, we met at a conference called Design Revival, and I'll put the link in. It's going to, if you're watching on YouTube, it's at the top. Um, all the links will be at the top. And then also if you're, on the website, we'll put it over here in the chat for the people who are live as well. But um, Ryan, you have a great story. You've actually worked at the same, I guess, organization, let's say, um, which is a church for 16 years. And this is almost unheard of. My friend Hannah <laughs> worked at our church for 20 years and man, burnout happened at like 10, you know, it was, oh, but, man. but it, so it's re- when you said you'd worked there for 16 years, but you have changed jobs. The church has grown. So maybe you yeah. only designer. So I just want to hear, I want you to tell everybody your story and you do have such a great, I have lots of questions, but give them a little bit of a uh, history about your design journey, if you don't mind. And this for yeah. sure. Well, first off, thank you for that was a that was a fantastic introduction. I appreciate that. And also, you were that person for me for when I was talking. So I'm glad we could reciprocate that uh, that safe spot to to find somebody who's actually paying attention to what we're talking about. Um, but no, thank you for having me today. It's really an honor to be here. I love um, all the stuff that you do and the way that you serve the design community so well and with so much joy. So thank you for doing all that stuff. Well, but thank you, um, Ryan. Absolutely. Um, and so my story, uh, I started uh, doing graphic design as a kid using Microsoft Paint, like uh, probably a lot of us who couldn't afford Photoshop. And then I had a, a bootlegged version of Creative Suite that I got uh, from my brother-in-law that I think he downloaded off of LimeWire back in the late 90s. Um, and so I started doing graphic design, uh, doing album artwork and different stuff for local bands. I was in a band, but our band was terrible. So I quit doing that and started making posters and t-shirts and album art for a lot of people. So um, I did that. And then I went to college at Winthrop University, which is in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just south of Charlotte. Um, we are one of the only thing where I think we're known for is like being with the teams that gets blown out by like Duke or all the number one seeds. We're usually like one of those bottom tier teams. But uh, I went there, I got a degree in marketing communication. Um, and I started working at a design agency, um, just south of Charlotte doing bank websites and brochures and um, cutting my teeth on and learning a lot about graphic design. Um, Cause I didn't really, I went to school for marketing communication. I did some like design courses that I could get into without having to take like 2d drawing. Um, so just the ones I could kind of work my way around. Um, 
And then I uh, got a design, design job, did that for a couple of years. And uh, around 2005, I had some friends who were doing a, a church plant in Charlotte. Um, and I had been going to kind of a, a smaller kind of traditional Baptist church, but not super plugged in, just kind of attending occasionally. And uh, my friend said, we're moving to Charlotte. We're going to start a church. Um, the pastor is really cool. You're going to like him. He actually had speak, spoken at a summer camp that I was a counselor of. So I, I, was, I was familiar with him. And so they came and started the church and I came to the second information meeting back in September of 2005, um, which was in the community center here in Matthews, North Carolina. Um, and started attending there. I joined the parking team and I was still doing my design job. And then um, the girl who was originally doing graphic design for the church, she and her husband left to go be missionaries in Korea. Um, and so I was like, well, I do graphic design. I can help out. Um, not knowing, like I grew up in a very traditional church. So most churches and church design in general was not something that was very appealing to very many people. <laughs> That's not like, usually the people say that like, I'm a graphic designer for a church. It's like, well, you're somebody's cousin or you're not very good. That was kind of like the, the reputation back then. Um, so I started doing some volunteer graphic design work for the church. Um, and that was about 2006. And I did that for a year and a half. Um, and then the agency I worked for. What you did it, so you were doing it part-time just as a volunteer basis? Yeah, just a volunteer. Okay. Just I, I would moonlight. I would go work my you know nine to five. I'd go home and eat dinner, and then I'd go back to the office and do church design because I was like, man, this is cool that I get to use my skills in a way that I can really like help. Uh, you know, the thing that I really believe in too. So I I would love to doing that. And um, when I you know when the agency I worked at ended up closing, it was a small agency, and it it kind of fell apart. There were some disagreements between the owners, and we all kind of lost our jobs in the process. So I was like, hey. Um, I can volunteer full time now because I don't have anything to do during the day. <laughs> so I was like in between jobs trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so uh, I started in, volunteering. So in this, though, in the church plant, how far along in the church plant are they? Is sure. like how many full time people are there at this point when you're like, I can volunteer full time? I mean, there obviously, are five right? people on staff. So okay. there's not a big group of staff. I think we were about four or five hundred people around this time that, that were attending on a weekend. So it was. It was a pretty good sized church, but the staff was super small. So how, um, what year was this uh, when you this were about 2007, January, 2007 is when our agency closed. And then I did, I basically volunteered full time for uh, a month and a half. And my interview process went, Hey, we're just going to start paying you now. And that was kind of, my, so but was, you're the only designer, the only creative. Yeah. I was the only designer. I was the sixth hire at the church um, back in 2007. Um, and then, Fast forward to now, I've been on staff for 16 years, uh, this coming February. Um, and the design team has grown from just being me, who was uh, a two-year experienced graphic designer, to now we have, I think, over 75 people who would identify as like a creative on our staff. So it's videographers and motion designers and copywriters and graphic designers and everything in between. So uh, right now, I, I started off on the design team. I led that team as it grew. And now I, I am kind of creative director over several of our teams, including campus ministries, uh, small groups. I thought uh, you said chemistry my... ministries. I was chemistry, like, no yes, way. I have ministry. never. It's a, very, it's a very niche ministry. I think people will love it. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> campus ministries, campus ministries. Campus <laughs> ministry. I'm with you. I was like, I have never heard chemistry ministries. No, no. <laughs> anyway. So that's my short story. Okay, so so in that, because um, I know Chris Martin's worked at a church, Brian Harper's a pastor's kid, so we got some <laughs> people who have some um, um, background in the church as well. Sure. So whether you grew up in it 
I knew a doc was a pastor's kid too. So we have um, a, a lot of people who have that uh, background and you might not realize everything that goes into, but um, going from a team or a, so how many staff or people work for the church now? Cause that, that's also um, a big. Sure. Yeah. We have, a, it's a pretty large staff at this point. We, so we're, I think we're just under 400 people total. So we would, we would qualify as a very large staff for right. church. Right. So going from five, as you were All number right. six to that. And, and sometimes there's, there's turnover in there. There's, you're working a lot of extra days, um, hours sometimes you're working and i'm just saying in general not this this is probably not ryan's experience but lots of um uh you know there are other things that normally and i think maybe at a university we have things that we have to do on the weekends we have things that we have to deal with at night and early and you know that wouldn't be normal um so it happens with other jobs as well but in in a small like say you're uh d and john ingles and they're building their business and they are having all the hats. So then you find somebody and then it's now it's about building this team. And you've been able to um, what I thought this part of your story, what was really interesting to me is one that you hadn't burned out, which we'll get to in a second, but (laughs) you also have had lots of different jobs. Like you went through, you had to hire people, you had to work with people like uh, as uh, more maybe in uh, like the videographer was maybe more of a hmm. partner. Uh, maybe you were art director or something, but it wasn't a skill hmm. that maybe you had. Um, and then totally. there's all this stuff that goes into leaving a team. And you probably didn't have any uh, classes in that either. Right. So no, they did not offer a lot of uh, management course classes. That's a lot of, that's, that's kind of, you have to figure that out on demand as you're kind of uh Figuring it out. Um, but no, I, and what you're saying is really true. Like uh, we always make the joke that our job descriptions include like and other duties, which could be anything. It could be uh, for me. It was, you know, when we were starting, there's only a few people on staff. So we, we wore all the hats. So we were the, the brainstorming team, the programming team. We produced the things. We set it up on the weekends and we were there, you know, at 5 a.m. setting up in high schools and tearing it down at four o'clock. And so there was a lot of hours that went into that. And I think what I loved about that, though, was like, I felt like what I was doing had a, had a greater purpose than myself. Um, mm. And I love being able to be a part of that. I feel like, you know, a lot of creatives, I think, spend maybe, I don't know, the time frame, but like the first decade of their life kind of mastering their craft or getting to a place where like, I'm a capable creative. And then I think they spend, you know, the next decade, like, how do I have this skill? How does it make an impact? And I think for me, I was able to kind of see a direct connection between, well, here's a gift that I feel like God has given me. And in order to steward that well, I'm able to kind of, I was able to, you know, sacrifice in a sense of like, well, you know, I never thought I was going to work at a church, but this is kind of what I feel like God has called me to do. Um, and so I was able to see a direct impact with the work that I was doing, have an impact in people's lives. So that was very attractive to me at the time, even no matter if I was, you know, doing a, a handout or a print design piece, or I was setting up something on the weekend, I was just happy to be a part of it. And I think, um, you know, that doesn't change over time, but it, it, you know, we grow and teams grow and a lot of people don't share those same experiences. They kind of come into a much bigger thing. And so you have to kind of do a lot to build culture and find DNA and find things that are non-negotiables for people you want to hire so that you can, you can grow a team that also, um, you know, feels like they may not have had the same, same shared experience, but they have the same share values and the, and the principles. So, um, it's definitely tricky. Yeah. I think, uh, 
the season I'm in now is probably my most enjoyable though, because um, I lead a team that specifically that run up through me, it's about 35 people um, of the 70 or so creatives that are kind of part of our different teams. Um, and what I get to do is instead of doing hands-on day-to-day creative, I get to kind of create the space for them to be creative. Um, and I feel like that's like a really unique challenge that, like you said, I didn't get trained in how to do that. I think a lot of that comes with experience and a lot of empathy and kind of pulling back in my own process and journey of different supervisors I had and different seasons when I felt supported and when I didn't feel supported. And so, yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of different roles that I've had to, to be, um, but I really love the one I'm doing right now. Okay. So you, you have had many different i mean you've had to do everything the tear down the yeah produce do the lighting the probably the sound you were doing all kinds <laughs> of things that you didn't weren't trained to do right sure. and that's and that's what happens when it's smaller when it's growing and and that's what we mm-hmm. have to do as entrepreneurs as well we have to kind of handle a lot of things but as we grow um there's a what I've seen, uh, there's can be some resistance to entrepreneurs to oh. hire somebody else to do something else that maybe we liked to do, right? Absolutely. Or that we think we probably still know best. So <laughs> um, you had something like this where you were at, uh, and if I'm killing part of your story, just be like rooster dying. You're doing awesome. <laughs> there was, that'll be our safe word and I'll just move on. Um <laughs> or you'll take over from there. But like, there was a time where you were like, I don't want to hire somebody who's better than me. Right. Sure. But you totally. got over that. So can you tell them that part of the story? Absolutely. So I, I feel like, I think it was the first, I think I was the only graphic designer on staff for the first six years I was here. Um, and when we finally got an approval for another designer, part of me was like, man, I must not have been doing my job well enough. Like that was just kind of like some of my immaturity was like, oh, I, I, I should be able to do all this by myself. I don't necessarily need help. If I have to ask for help, then I feel like maybe I'm not capable to do the job I'm being asked to do. When in reality, it was just like a bandwidth issue. Um, so I was able to hire our first, our second graphic designer, the first person on my team. Um, and I think, you know, I think this is something that a lot of creatives who become managers uh, probably struggle with um, in that transition from being like the hands-on creative to being a person who's contributing to creative, but is not the only person in charge of creative, um, is that you have this, it could be conscious, it could be subconscious, but I think the, uh, the idea of like, you know, I am the leader of the team, I have to be the best on the team. Oh, yeah. um, and it's hard because you're like, I want to, I don't want to necessarily um, look like a weak leader because the people I hire are better than me at what I do. Cause I feel like, Oh, maybe they won't trust me if I'm not a better designer than they are kind of thing. Um, and I feel like that was pretty limiting. I don't think I made that conscious decision of like, I'm good. I'm going to make sure I hire someone who's bad as much no, as I no, want to no, hire right. somebody, but, I but hire we- somebody that I feel like, Oh, cool. I'm not necessarily intimidated by you. I can, Someone who, you know, under the under the guise of development, I'm going to hire somebody who I can help train and make better. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely limiting because I feel like at the end of the day, then the team is only going to be as good as me. And I feel like that is a weight that as you're kind of growing in leadership and in management, like that can become overwhelming. I think actually can lead to burnout because then you feel like you have to be the one who's generating all the best work and all the best content and all the best ideas. And your team is constantly looking you for the support and for the answer. And you're like, oh, man, I'm out, I'm out of answers. I got nothing else to give kind of thing. So it wasn't until 
uh, probably another five years after that, that I, I kind of made the shift in my head of, you know, I, I had been doing all the, um, all the design for our worship team, all the album covers and different stuff. I've been doing all that mainly because I loved it. And that was like how I got, you know, I cut my teeth in doing that for graphic design. So I was like, this is still kind of a passion of mine. But I realized like as I was taking on more responsibility and joining the team, like I couldn't give it the same attention that I felt like it needed. And I had a friend who I had been trying to coax into working uh, at the church for several years. And he finally came to a place where he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And I was like, this will be my first opportunity to hire somebody who I you know, objectively believed like, okay, you're a better graphic designer than me. And I'm going to hire you to do a job that I really love doing. And I'm going to be your boss, even though I'm not, I probably wouldn't have the same answer or as good a solution as you. And that took a lot of like, I feel like humility or, and, and it wasn't like out of desperation as much as like, I came to a realization that I, my ability to take, you know, that creative work is only going to go as far as my ideas. And if I don't bring people in who I feel like can push and challenge those and help grow, then it's only going to be, I'm going to be the peak of it versus just being a piece of the part of the puzzle. So. But that was one of the things, Ryan, that really struck me was because you, I don't know if I'd ever thought that either, but I think I for sure have done that. Like if I was looking Mm -hmm. back, I was like, well, I'm going to hire somebody who I can afford, who can do this part of the job. And I really, um, I stopped doing that when I uh, I work with John Ingalls a lot and he's definitely way better. Like, I'm like, I don't like doing this. I don't even know how to do it. You go ahead and do this part, John, because I don't want to do it. And I think that there's, so there's, I felt relief because I could trust mm. him or, you know, anybody else that I hire for something like that. I, and there was trust that I wasn't getting in anybody else that I was hiring. And so sure. I, I got to that same point, but I didn't realize I wasn't trying to be, um, the best, you know, the highest man on the mountain, but right. I was like, well, what could, you know, they wouldn't want to work for me. These really, right. you know what I mean? Like I, or that's what I, they might not want to do this. Or I actually believe attitude is way, uh, really, really important in hiring people as well. Cause huge. you can hire skill set for sure, but you have to have people who, you know, are on the same page with you culturally and have the same attitude and approach and heart towards the thing too. So, but no, yeah, I think even like, you know, it wasn't even out of a spot of desperation as much as like, cause it was still stuff I loved doing. And it was probably the hardest part of my design journey was letting go and not being the guy for that stuff. Cause you know, you've wrapped so much of your identity as a creative in the one, like the thing you are producing and handing somebody. And when you are no longer like driving the mouse and delivering the final piece, you're like, well, you kind of have like an identity crisis of like, well, what, what am I supposed to do then? And it's um, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, leadership books for creatives or for anybody is multipliers. And it's the idea of like, you can either be a multiplier or a diminisher, but most people who are diminishers are accidental diminishers. They're not doing it intentionally, but it's the way that they approach leadership and approach management that is really like keeping their team from growing. And some of that has to do with, um, you know, your ability to let, let go of stuff and not feel like, okay, my ideas are the best ideas. I, 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 I love my ideas. I should, because I, I, I want to like the work that I'm making, right. but I have to also realize like, if my ideas are the best ones and always, then again, I, I'm limiting what my team, my team is able to do as far as growth and, and the work that we're able to produce at the end of the day too. That's also having a big vision and being able to attach to that big vision instead of it being just the Ryan vision. So it was bigger than a yeah. Ryan vision. So that was also impact. Um, 
you know, like it's you focusing on the impact you can make. And I think that's one of the things that's made you such a great leader. Um, just from the stories that I heard you tell, like, oh my goodness, I would want to work for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might not want to work. I, I mean, have, listen, might... I'm telling you all the highlights. I'm sure I got enough stuff to be able to get frustrated with. So uh, I'll, well, I'll just keep those to myself. But one of the things that struck me was that you were able to grow, adapt, take um, feedback, because there was a time where, mm-hmm. And I think we all have gone through this. We're like, oh, they just don't get me. They didn't. You talked about sure. this. And again, if this is a rooster situation, just say rooster. Um, nope, this is- but you said you were like, I wanted this one. Look how good this one is. And maybe it was in like a Reddit. Right. It wasn't like out in the maybe big wild of the Internet. But it was like, this is the sucky one they chose. And this is the- <laughs> I mean, they're both yours. So you did them both. But, you know, it's like right. it starts. Can you tell them that story? Sure. No, I mean, so uh, this was, this is probably two years into working um, at the church. And so I was probably mid twenties or so. Um, but this could be but anybody, right? We all feel this really way could. with a I feel like we've all been there. Holy moly. We have been there. Could have been, maybe it was early in our career or maybe it was yesterday, you know, but I sure. love, I love this story because it reminds you of what maybe not to do. So tell them. No, it's great. I mean, so yeah, literally I could do it tomorrow and it still feel like it would be the same thing, but uh, I was a part of this. So Flickr was this old kind of web-based community thing for a while. And they had this um, kind of small group called the church marketing lab. That was uh, where people, other church creatives would post their design work for different series graphics or handouts. And they would use it as kind of a way to get feedback on, you know, in process work and also kind of serve as inspiration for other creatives who are part of that community and stuff. Um, and I was a big part of that. I loved it um, initially because I was able to connect with a lot of creatives who I'm still friends with now, even though a lot of them have moved on from those roles. I still have a great community that I, I built from that. But I think one of the things that that started to become, though, was like a space where I could try to get some some kudos for some from some other creatives on work that I thought was really good, but maybe didn't get the feedback I wanted to hear from the people I was making it for. So I had to go, you know, get my back scratched somewhere else kind of thing. Um, and you're right. I was, I did start using some of that language of like, Hey, here's a concept that I really love that they didn't really pick. Um, and that was the thing. So I actually got called into our pastor's office one day. Um, and you know, I, I didn't even realize he knew about this thing and he accidentally found it because it was a link through a Twitter thing. And he saw it and he's like, Oh, look, Ryan's posting. Let's see what he's saying. And then I think what ultimately it did is started to started to hurt his feelings a little bit, which sounds silly, but I think like, you know, he saw us as like, oh, this is, we're on the same team. We're building this thing together. We're helping solve these same problems. And then the language I was using in the captions was very much like I versus they. Mm. And once I started kind of creating this like imaginary boogeyman of they, I was able to kind of project like, well, this is why this work doesn't work because this is what they wanted kind of thing. I think we've always said like, and I always tell my team too, even like if they start saying, well, this is what they want. I'm like, I need you to be a little more specific with that pronoun because who is they? And if it's the partner that we're trying to solve a problem for, maybe that is what they need. And, and we are all doing this together. We're, it's not us versus them. It's, it's, it's us together versus the problem. Um, and so that was just a really humbling reminder of like, oh man, like I had kind of let my, my pride and my ego and, and the work kind of start driving versus like, well, what's the thing I'm creating the work for? What's the purpose of it? And it really was, it was challenging me because I was like, oh man, I even realized that it was coming across that way. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a rough day at the office, but um, I think something that I never forgot and ultimately has like helped me kind of, kind of teach that to a lot of young creatives too, of like, hey, there's a way to avoid like 
you know, like when you're in design school or in college period, like you're creating work and handing it to professors who you respect that you want their, their accolades from. And then when you shift over to the real world, you have to create work for people that you maybe don't have the same respect for creatively. We are like, okay, well, you're a dentist. So I'm only going to take your feedback with a grain of salt kind of thing. Um, when in reality, you're like, well, no, you are design, you're a designer who's been hired by them to help them solve a problem, whether it's a branding problem or a marketing problem or whatever. And so if their opinion should be the most valuable opinion because it is their problem mm. and, and we're helping partner with them in that problem solving. So it just was a good kind of perspective reminder for me that there are things I create for myself that I want to love and that I want to do my way. But then there's a lot of stuff that I make that's intended to be for other people. And I need to make sure that I have a posture of service when it comes to using my creative work in that way. Well, I think that your pastor gave a great um, leadership um, that he let you in on, Hey, why are you doing this? I thought we were doing this together and building this. So that was amazing as a leadership, but it was also something you were able to turn and use and grow from significantly. And now can use it the same sort of thing as you are uh, people that are underneath you and reminding them who, who they're really serving. So I, I think that's awesome. And I love, I love that story. So (laughs) it was a rough day, but I bet it's pretty good lesson, you know. I bet. So, okay, tell, and I asked you this when we were together. I said, how have you not gotten burned out? Because <laughs> um, when you're giving a lot and, and mm-hmm. sometimes maybe you're not being recognized and you talked about being validated versus recognized. I can get my notes out if you, uh, if anything needs <laughs> jogging. Um, but what, can you tell them about, because uh, we all feel that I think we want to be recognized. We want to produce good work. Um, sure. But there was really in, I think in the burnout, maybe this wasn't in the same part of the burnout, but yeah. um, anyway, tell them about validation versus uh, recognition and then we'll move to burnout, I guess. For Unless- sure. So, I, you know, um, one of my favorite creative books is steal like an artist by Austin Kleon. Have you mm-hmm. read that book? It's one of my favorites, but he has the page in there where he says validation is for parking, uh, which I never forgot. I thought it was very funny, but I feel like, um, you know, validation can come from a lot of different places and and almost piggybacking off of that, uh, you know, the story I just told. But if I am, you know, trying to measure my value on a day to day basis on whether or not um, people like the work I do. That can be a quite an emotional roller coaster. Um, so I think I have to find like for me specifically as, as a Christian and knowing like, OK, here's the gifts that I feel like God has given me. If I'm stewarding those well and I feel like I'm being faithful to the gifts that I have and I'm helping produce, you know, produce new things out of those things and helping others create great things, then I feel like, OK, that's the that's the validation that I really need to be seeking is like, OK, am I? And that can be whether or not you're a believer or not. Everyone, everyone knows they have a gift. And if they're able to feel like they're being, you know, a good steward of that gift inside of them, I feel like that's the measuring stick on a day-to-day basis. It's like, okay, well, did I leave anything on the vine? Is something withering that I feel like I should be watering? Um, and it has a lot to do with, um, you know, making sure that we're looking for it in the right places. And recognition is, is fine. It's great. But you can definitely kind of get those things out of priority to where like you're going to live and die by your best comments are the ones that feed you. But then you're going to fall apart because someone gave you some bad feedback. And, and that's just such a that can lead to quick burnout because it is just this roller coaster of emotions versus like I love getting feedback because I want to continue getting better. And I also love 
getting recognition because I want to know that the work we're doing is making an impact, but I can't have that be my only measuring stick for the success. I feel like I have to be true to, to the gifts I have and feel like I'm pushing those forward. And if I'm doing that, then I'm, then I have to, you know, I have to be okay with that. And I can't live and die by that kind of approval of others. So do you think part of your, your ability to have not gotten burned out is that you've been challenged and you've been able to grow and they've seen your potential in growth and they've let you grow instead of at any company. Sometimes sure. we limit what we're like, Oh, you know what? We knew him as an intern or yeah. we, you know, we knew them whenever, you know, that's what they were like three years ago. I can't imagine that uh -huh. they're really growing. Right. But Absolutely. But this is different for any company. This is it's really amazing that you've been able to grow from entry designer only yeah. solo designer to now creative director of 75 people, mm -hmm. you know, and leading at 35 or, or so in in a daily basis. So yeah. is that part of what's been that it's been a continuous challenge or is there something else that's helped you in not getting burned out? Sure. I think, you know, I, I referenced it in, in the talk that I did, but um, in that book um, called Herding Tigers, which is by Todd Henry. Uh, it's it's a, one of my favorite creative leadership books. He has this this chart where he basically is like it's these, this X and Y axis of challenge and stability um, and challenge being like, am I continually being pushed in the, in the thing I've been asked to do? Am I giving given new tasks that feel like, oh, OK, that's a new problem to solve. That's interesting. That, that feels like I'm growing. And then the stability side is, do I have all the information that I need to solve the problem? Do I have the support of my supervisors? Do they believe in me? And I feel like for the most part, like on this X and Y axis, I've been able to stay in this like high challenge, high stability place, which is, you know, he calls it thriving in his book. But um, if I'm staying there for the most part, like I feel like, okay, cool. I know that my supervisors believe enough in me to give us, you know, give me responsibility over, you know, different projects and different things that affect thousands of people. And also here's resource to grow your team and here's resource to put on great creative projects. And we believe in creative enough for you to have a, a large team like this. And then, you know, the challenge of like, okay, well, how do we tell the Christmas story in a, a unique way every single year? Like that, it's not like we're, we're, we're creating new stories as much as how do, how do we have a new and creative way that can help show someone a story that's thousands of years old. So I feel like that has been for me, like being able to kind of stay in that, that top part of that excess has been super helpful and, and being aware when I'm falling into one or the other. So like if I have high challenge and low stability, that's, they, they call that the angry quadrant, because that's where you feel like, okay, I'm being pushed, but I don't have any support. I don't have any, no one's got my back. And that's, you know, I've, I've been a part of those teams where your supervisor will throw you under the bus or, you know, you feel like you don't have enough information or stuff changes last minute and all the work you put in is now like being thrown away because there was a change and changes happen. But if it's done flippantly, then you kind of cool. I can stay in this angry place. And then if you have low, um, low challenge, high stability, then you just kind of get bored and people start looking for other places where they can kind of get a lot of their creative energy out. And so that's my job a lot now is how do I help a team that is new and young creatives and doing lots of different things and stuff that I don't know about as far as like their skill set. How do I continue to, to push them and create a space that is a create like a fertile creative ground for them to have great stability and good challenge too. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of my ability to sustain what I've done is like, okay, I believe that I believe in our church's vision. I believe in our church's support of the creative 
part of that vision. And I feel like the challenges and problems I have are a lot of, because I've been faithful and I've been a good steward and like, okay, cool. Here's more you can do. Here's more you can do. Um, and, you know, I feel like at the, that's been a huge piece of, of my longevity. I, I love that. I, um, I think that it's hard as a, most of the people here are solopreneurs. Some of them work at places sure. for sure, but it's hard when you've worked at the same place. Um, if you are in a similar job. So you've had that ability to go, but you still have to come up with ideas for the same thing. Christmas every year, Easter right. every year, right? So there's always going to be right. some things that change. But in that, because a lot of uh, Josh Gooch works for a university outside of Charlotte. And mm -hmm. um, I know there's, it's like, how do we get new kids in? How do, you know, it's right. the, it's the same. It's a lot of the same stuff every year so in sure. in that how do you keep tapping in for you to the to god's vision for or for, to the creativity that god's give gifted you with um for some of those same um like christmas like uh josh is yeah. probably doing something for christmas but you know like um yes yeah, no, it's the it's same a i mean struggle I've never felt more uh, empathy for for teachers and professors than my current role now, because I feel like it's got to be like Groundhog's Day for you a little bit of like, all right, here's this class again. How do I, you know, find my joy in order to teach this content for the however many time you've had to teach that content? Um, and I think you've done a great job. Of like, all right, here's creative exercises. Here's I mean, you've been able to sustain a lot of great energy towards it to where I don't feel like. Your, your students probably don't feel like you're putting anything on autopilot. And I think that's kind of my job now is like, okay, I have, I have been given people to steward now in addition to projects. Mm. And it's my job now to think of myself when I was 23, 24 with like some of our newer, younger designers. And I'm like, okay, it is now my responsibility to kind of help them begin their creative growth journey. And if just because it's the same problem for me is their first time solving it. So how do I help paint the picture for them in a way that's like, Oh, Oh, that's interesting. And kind of watch them kind of like be revealed new things and take steps forward. And like that, that gives me a lot of fuel for the journey now is like seeing, you know, other people's eyes open to things I learned a while ago that I could just, okay, here's the answer. Here's the shortcut. Here's the way you do this versus like, Hey, let's talk about Christmas. Let's, you know, let's paint a picture for this thing. And like, versus saying like, Oh, we tried that 12 years ago and you know, <laughs> whatever, that's never going to work again. Kind of thing, you know, like, I feel like if I'm doing that type of stuff, then no one's going to be motivated to like, well, mm -hmm. all right, well, Ryan hated that idea last time. So why are we going to be, why are we going to try anything new this time? So a lot of it is, it's not playing dumb as much as like, how do I give a little breadcrumb trail to kind of help a young creative kind of discover a lot of their own, you know, discovery along the way, the process of it. Um, and so I think that is, that's something where I get a lot of joy out of doing that now versus like, what's my new idea for Christmas is like, well, no, let's see, like, let's see someone else come up with and be, Oh, wow. Like a light bulb turn on for them. And I feel like that's probably similar for teaching too. You know, I don't know. What would, do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I, when you were describing it as a breadcrumb, I was like, you know, when you were describing it before you used the term breadcrumb, I thought about bumper cars. Cause I see Ryan, oh, like yeah. the really padded person, like keeping the cars <laughs> right. in. Well, what about this? Maybe you should turn back or but just right, right. Turn, you know because you're coming well, to the turn, end of the bumper over cards. there right <laughs> <laughs> and so i think that there's there's something it's about asking the right questions and asking them to push to that long like think about what might happen if we if um broccoli gives you gas maybe <laughs> if you have a date later today you shouldn't 
is broccoli the best thing to do for right. lunch, right? Or, right, it's just thinking about that long-term because totally. they're like, oh, no, I love broccoli. I'm going to eat broccoli, you know? And it, I guess it's just, the, that was a really weird analogy, but. No, but so sorry, you're right. But, I mean, you could just, you could just make a blanket rule. We don't eat broccoli here. And you're like, well, why don't we eat broccoli? And then just, they just make, you know, then assumptions can be made about, well, we just don't eat broccoli. Why don't, they do, why don't we eat broccoli? Well, I don't think Diane likes broccoli. And that's why we don't eat it. Versus like, I think when you were able to to give people a why for the things that they're they're being asked to do or being told to do, there's a lot more buy-in into the culture and into the problem-solving process. And they're like, oh yeah, I know why we don't do this or why we do do this versus just like, well, this is the rules. This is what we do. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> it's that like that old, uh, that old, you know, the phrase cut the ends off the ham. Have you ever heard that before? Uh-uh. So there's this old, I'm sure it's just like a, you know, a made up, whatever fable story or whatever, but about this, this guy who's making his, uh, his grandma's famous ham recipe for Thanksgiving. And right before he puts it into the oven, he cuts the edges off of it and puts it in the oven. And his wife's like, why do you cut the ends off the ham? He's like, well, that's what grandma used to do. And uh, I'll ask her. And so he asked his grandma, I was like, why do you cut the ends off the ham? She's like, well, that's just what my great grandma used to do. So she asked her grandma and she's like, oh, I cut the ends off the ham because my pan was too small. And so that's why I had to do it. And so there, it was just something that got generation passed down that had no purpose. And, and so similarly with like some of the things like, okay, well, we just don't do this. Okay. Well, if I'm not giving a good why, then it's just going to be kind of one of those like automatic processes. And I'm not creating great independent thinkers. I'm just creating great people who know how to follow a to-do list. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is really encouraging me. So I, you <laughs> talked about a um, sparking inspiration and I feel this with my students, but I also have felt this when, I'm just working on a project, uh, maybe for a client that I've had for 12 years. And I'm like, how can I come up with another way to sell retirement living or something, you know? Right. Um, but how do you, what have you done? You, you told us about some things that you had done with your team, but what's something that maybe you did early on? And then what do you do now um, to spark infer, in, infer, information? No, inspiration for you inspiration. if you were alone or for uh, you and the team now. Sure. I mean, so like back in back in the day for me, it was trying to, if I felt like I was hitting creative block, you know, I, I do this teaching for our team. Um, you know, I believe like God's the ultimate creator and that we've been created in his image. So we are we are, and we have a limitless access to creativity. So I feel like creative block has a lot less to do with where the inspiration is coming from and a lot more to do how our ability to like receive it and process it. Mm. So for me, I think a lot of it has to do with like, okay, what's my posture towards the project? Do I have like some pride that's preventing me from doing it? Do I have fear from problem solving? Do I not have enough information? Mm. And so I think like evaluating, making sure like, okay, why am I stuck? And, uh, but, and that's, that's more product based, but like just in general, how do I feel the creative tank? Back then, it was kind of returning to like my first love of like, okay, well, I love I love music, I love album art. I don't have a band anymore, so let me just make some pretend mixtapes, and I'll spend a lot of time like perfecting the cover of these mixtapes. And this was this was before Spotify, so I was having to like buy stuff off iTunes and put it on Dropbox, and it was like a whole whole different process. It's a lot easier to do it now, but um, so that was one of the ways I was like, well, I don't, you know, I want to kind of like re-scratch the original itch or whatever and try to like create something um that was like okay this is a challenge for me i am my client i want to make sure i love it and so like doing personal projects and having outlets like that i think is super helpful when you feel like you're either stuck on a project or you just need some fresh inspiration it's like what well let me make, let me make something for myself um i think another one is you know for us a lot of it has to do with like ability to work with teams like our, our our whole team is in office and so like everybody has to and there's a lot of like cross-pollination between teams and 
So for us, team building exercises are huge. So like today, just now we just got out of a creative meeting with some of our teams and we all got there. I was like, Hey, we have 10 minutes. We're going to, uh, we're going to pretend like we're on shark tank and we're going to repitch the apple and like the actual fruit of like, Hey, what is, what's the purpose of the apple kind of thing. And so they had 10 minutes to put together a pitch for what the apple was and like why it was valuable. So it was just like, okay, well, here's a unique challenge that is not moving any project forward as much as like, okay, let's do some, some problem solving skills. Let's work with, and we just do like a random number of, so like you four people are on a team, you four people are on a team. So you're working with people you don't work with normally. You're solving a problem that's not part of your regular process. And you're kind of just like, you know, creating new neural pathways of like stuff that's already been worn down. You're like, oh, let me think of something in a new way. Let me try this. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's like, how do I, like what you do with your, uh, you know, I loved your breakout, a designer revival, where it was like your, your creative calisthenics. I've used all those things. Like, hey, here's something like, here's a fun, creative way to, you know, paint over and, and draw over paint splotches or like turn furniture into faces. And my team has loved that stuff because, you know, again, you kind of like tap back into some of those initial, like, you know, as a child, like when you have these creative urges to do something and you don't have a deadline or you don't have a, uh, you know, someone who's paying you a check for it, you're like, oh, I'm just creating to create. And so I think creating some space to do that in a way that's like, hey, this doesn't have a ton of weight. It's just kind of a fun project, but it can help challenge you or see something in a new way. Mm, I love that. I love that. You also talked about a movie that you <laughs> can you tell them about that? What y'all yeah, did? we just got we did that about a month and a half. I guess it was a, uh, we did it early this summer. So we um this is our second year doing it, and it, it's we it's a big ask because we pretty much tell the whole creative team like, hey, block off an entire workday. Um, and what we did is we do a, a movie trailer competition where we break up the we do a draft, and so there's you know eight different teams. People draft the entire creative team into their team. And then they find out the day of the genre and then kind of a prompt for, for what their movie is. So they'll get like an object they have to include, a line of dialogue and, a, you know, a character or something like that. And then they have six hours to go make a movie trailer and then they have to come back and we have like a big movie trailer premiere. And we have candy and we have judges and we give away some fun prizes and stuff. And, uh, you know, it feels like it's a good thing that, that we have a very uh, understanding uh, CFO and leadership team because... <laughs> It is, it's not really moving anything forward. Uh, like there's not like a physical deliverable. that's like, oh, this made us better today. Here's the physical thing we did. Um, but I think it's the intangible culture stuff where you're like, cool, we have now, we have shared experiences. We have uh, team building. We have cool. Oh man, I remember working with uh, Gabe on this project for the movie trailer competition. Let me ask, I love the way he approached filmmaking. Let me go ask him about this problem I'm kind of running into. So you, you bridge gaps, you kind of break down silos from different teams and different focuses. So it's one of the best things we do. It's it's very funny though, because like some of our our more stick in the mud or older staff, people were like, what are, what are the what are those what are the creative kids doing today? Why are they running around? Why are they, why is why is there a smoke machine in you know in that office? What are they doing in there? Um, so it's this this past summer we did summer blockbusters and there was all sorts of crazy stuff. And then the year before we had did, did like a horror genre. I think next year we're gonna do either um, Hallmark Christmas movies or we might do like a rom com. So we're gonna see where that goes. I love that. What. But Jesus was all about things that you weren't planning for, you know, like that's absolutely so, I think that's right on uh, on target with uh, how Jesus would approach it. And <laughs> so I, I I love that. And I think that we get to I, I love that you are doing something that does build that community and that you're not right. so tight on so deadlines. Granted, you have you have a deadline every <laughs> Sunday, right? It's not like we do. 
you can't be like, you know what, this week, no Sunday. We're just going to do two Saturdays and then come back right. on Monday, right? <laughs> well, we definitely have some structure, yeah. Right. But but at a church, you have to work quickly. You have to um, execute quickly. And then it also is, what can we do in this time? So it's about budgeting your time yeah. and your skills. And so it's mm -hmm. like, hey, you got pushed. You, as the cre creative director, you can kind of see when people are under the gun, when they make decisions or yeah. when they're like holding back. And sometimes it's like, because it's a community and it's a together, they're like encouraging each other. Hey, that's good oh, enough. Right. That's, that's good. Just go, go with it. I think that's, or like your idea, you're uh, because you've done all these creative exercises throughout the year, you have seen people or you have encouragement. You're like willing to do say something off the wall that maybe you wouldn't have been early, yeah. you know, in your first couple of years at a job or something. So, but I love that you, you've actually planned it in. And yeah. so it's something for people to look forward to. It's also that the whole staff, I mean, the whole church has, the whole church might not see these, but the whole church sure. has to, um, has to believe in the, in that God has brought y'all together and that being together and doing something and making something really is important. Just like Jesus with the 12, you know, he didn't walk around with yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people. He had his, his crew. And I think that there's something, sure. there's something in that. Um, so you answered that. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm, uh, so you said the favorite part of your job is leading them now. Is there something yeah. that you've done that's an example that is like this challenged you, but this is why I do this. And this is how I've seen Judy grow because she got yeah. through this or something. Do you have a story for with that? Sure. I mean, I mean, it's weird. Uh, you know, I told a couple at the conference about some like some different album art projects that we've worked on. And uh, even more recently, like we're, we're doing this big, you know, it's 160 page uh, small groups curriculum through Ephesians. And the art direction was to do like a very like collage style for the art direction. And I, I gave it to one of my designers who's only been on staff for about a year. So she was, she's been, you know, not drowning, but she's been having to learn how to swim a lot this year. Um, and it's been like really rewarding to kind of walk with her through that mm -hmm. process and kind of understanding, like understanding feedback and understanding long ongoing projects that, you know, do have changes kind of halfway through that like, okay, well this changes how we format this or we're switching these two chapters and, kind of helping her, you know, be able to maneuver and navigate a, a, a very hard project that's not a normal day-to-day -day piece that it, I, I want her at the end of the day to be proud of and not burned out on. And I think part of my job is, okay, I am I am now the guide in this story of like, you know, I'm not the hero. I'm not the one who's going to like stand up there in front of everybody and like, look at this thing I made. But I'm now the person who's like, hey, you know, Sophie, here's how you can figure out how to do this. And here's something that you can do to uh, maybe, you know, try this approach or here's the, and you know, here's what this feedback actually means and this type of stuff. So that's been really rewarding to kind of, you know, work with, you know, a lot of young creatives on projects that I, I may have done before in different ways, but watching them kind of do it for the first time and then also do it in ways like, Oh, that's awesome. I wouldn't even thought about that idea or man, like I appreciate her dedication to wanting to live in InDesign and work on a 160 page book. And that sounds like not my nightmare. So um, you know, it's, it's cool to kind of watch young creatives and have an opportunity to kind of just watch their, their growth, um, you know, through those different bigger projects like that. I love that. That's great. So you talked about, um, 
being the vessel and not the oil. So making sure that we're not confusing ourselves, which you've talked about, uh, totally talked about this already. I just want to, I don't remember where this was in my sketchbook, but I know I wrote that down specifically. And I guess that it, maybe it can go back into um, that what you're doing is what, what God's sure. called you to do. If, if it's for a client, um, it's for that purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read the rest of my uh, sentence so that I don't get confused, but I'm going to try to look up and do it. Um, let's see. So this, I think the being the vessel and not the oil um, goes yeah. with the title of, which is the, uh, about you putting your pride aside, I think, which I, uh, it hit me. So I was really, I really loved your talk. So, um, and now I'm like trying to find my, I should just read it off my sheet of paper because I have, I have circles where I've highlighted things. Um, To me, uh, it, it stuck out and it's how as designers, it has to be about the company that we're designing for, not us. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't remember exactly where this was in your uh, story. And I don't know if this was about the validated or being recognized. So maybe <laughs> changing it a little bit. But I guess one thing, I when you talked about the we, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, it's not the we, the they. But yeah. one thing I have, I guess I'm changing my question a little bit because I think you've answered the question. But when um, this is something that's hard for me to explain to younger designers Um, that it's not about what you want. It's about what's best for the client and what, and, and there is this, it's like, well, they think they know best. We think we know best, but then when you start pushing, um, they don't really haven't thought about the long-term effect of something like this or how it will impact. Right. Being, knowing that God is the oil and that you are just doing what he's um, put put you in place to do. How does that relieve yeah. you of some of the pressure of having to, you're not having to save anybody, right? You're yeah. just. Exactly. I mean, you're saying all of it. Like, I think um, I heard it phrased this way and I've, I've hung into it for so long is that, you know, I was never intended to produce my own light. Um, mm-hmm. I was meant to be a pro- like a reflector, not a projector. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I feel like the weight of, of that responsibility of like, oh, okay, well, I am, I am now a conduit of creativity. I, I am just a, a, a pipe and letting creativity kind of flow through me. And if I'm operating at my best, then the flow is like, okay, this is very clear and it's as, as strong and it's like, oh, cool, this is awesome. Like that's, that's when I feel like I'm at my creative best is when I am remembering like, I am just a vessel for an oil of creativity that, that I have been given to steward. Um, and so, and I think if, you know, whether or not people are, are believers in that, I think that is part of, part of their creative journey is like, there is something inside of you that you have to, um, you know, be able to release and be able to get out, um, creatively. And so I think like, if we're able to, to do that well, then I feel like that's when we're operating at our creative best is when, and I feel like it's a lot, it's a much lighter weight to carry because then I'm not like, man, I hope I, I hope I got something left in the tank. I'm like, well, I believe that there isn't an end to creativity and it may not be my old idea and it may not be the idea I thought it was supposed to be, but I got to believe it's the idea that was supposed to come out and this is mm-hmm. what I was able to create from it. So yeah, I think that it, it is very relieving though, to know like, okay, cool. I, I am not the source. I am, I am merely the vessel. Well, I always think that it's like, man, 
if God can use my words to do something, because <laughs> I am not eloquent. It's like, but it's right. like sometimes I say something and that wasn't, I didn't, I don't know how they got that, right? It was like the chemistry ministry there at <laughs> Elevation Church. Um, but but like it was what they heard and they took it and ran right. with it and it was amazing. Right. But that wasn't what I intended. And that it wasn't even what I said. But man, they I think God can use anything, right? Even totally. so there's that he's the oil and we're just and the one saying you know, that. I think we can get that a little twisted to where it's like, well, I'm not a morning person. So God's, you know, I just wasn't designed to be a morning person. I wasn't designed to be punctual. That's just the way I am kind of thing. And I think, well, no, you're just, you're kind of lazy and you don't have good discipline. Some of that stuff is like, well, your, your processes aren't, you know, perfected and you probably could produce a little bit more. I think more, it's more has to do with like the work itself and realizing like my, my gift of worship, a lot of it is like, cool, I'm offering this back up to you, God, you put this in me, I made it. And I'm going to, and I believe I've been faithful with the thing you've asked me to do, whether or not it's, it's what I thought it needed to be, or what I thought it was going to be. It's like, okay, well, no, this, this is it. And I, and I have to believe like, did I steward this the best I could? And I think that has been like, that's been the constant question of like, okay, did I move this forward in the right way? Is it, was it stuck because of me or did it move forward in spite of me? Um, or did I help do everything I could to help move this thing forward? So that is, and that's just, I think that has helped me a lot with, you know, the pride aspect and the longevity. It all kind of fl flows back into that of like remembering like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not the main thing. I'm not the end all. I, I am, I am just the thing helping move the thing forward. I love that. I'll tell you a funny story. I do not like to cook. My mom's here. She knows I, I'm rather like, ah, oh, let's just eat some popcorn instead of <laughs> dinner, you know? Anyway, so I have this thing where my husband asks me, what's for lunch or what did you make me for lunch or dinner or whatever? And I'm like, mad. That's what I made you. <laughs> OK, so but then I really got um, I really got heavy feeling that I um, I was not treating John the way that I if Jesus was asking me, what did you make me for lunch? <laughs> I would not have said mad. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I need to serve John in a better. I still say mad lots of times. I'm <laughs> absolutely not perfect. But I was just thinking about like how I how I would do it different if it was somebody else in my kitchen. Right. Or at yeah. my house. And um, and I remember saying, I'm going to pretend like you are Jesus uh, and that <laughs> may be really weird. But I was like, I just wanted to like, I think that that I'm. I'm supposed to maybe not have as terrible of an attitude about sure. cooking like people saying, well, I'm not a morning person. And I could say, well, I don't uh, like to cook, but that's still something. John's doing something else. He can't cook. I don't want to cook, but I could right. make something, you know, and some of it's just about attitude, even if it's just popcorn, because right. John doesn't care. Um, <laughs> at least he's, you know, he's like, it's in a bowl for him, you know, or something, you know, that that's, uh, we're, we're low expectations in the eating department. Um, so I wanted to ask you one last question, and then I'm going to share ways for people to get in touch with you. And you also sure. gave me creative apprenticeship at elevationchurch.org yes. um, as one of the things. So I wanted to ask you that what that is. So tell me what sure. that is first, and then I'm going to ask you the last question. 
Okay, well, our creative apprenticeship. So um, we have an internship program that that we do three different semesters a year, and that's for college, you know, entry level kind of high school college age kids who are like, oh, I I like graphic design, I'd love to learn more, kind of thing. So that's very much kind of in that space. Our apprenticeship program is a little bit elevated from that. Um, probably maybe just out of college or like getting ready to graduate college, but have kind of six months to to learn very hands-on. I mean, it is, it is like, we treat you like an employee. You do get paid. It's a paid apprenticeship, but there's not like a job guaranteed at the end. It's more of like, here's, here's some work. Here's some life skills. Here's, here's how you operate in a, in a large team. Here's how you follow a deadline. So it's like, here's some real world application. Um, and we feel like it's kind of our way to like, we're not going to be able to hire all creatives, but we do want to steward the creatives that have been brought through our church well. And so like, okay, here's an opportunity for us to give, you know, younger staff a chance to supervise somebody um, for a, a period of time to kind of evaluate if that's something that they want to do longer term, or if that's something they want to continue trying to pursue is like a management or leadership plane. And then also giving like new graduates or new young creatives, a, like a, a large skill set, um, you know, challenge or portfolio filler uh, six months to say, hey, here's some great projects you get a chance to work on. Um, here's a lot of things you can learn in the process. And there's some there's some teaching in some classes, but a lot of it is just like, hey, we're treating you like you're part of our team. Um, and we're going to evaluate every nine weeks and kind of just like, here's, here's ways you continue to improve. Here's stuff you've done really great. And then at the end of it, you know, there are some people who end up applying for jobs here and getting roles. There's a lot of other people who go back to their churches that they came from and are able to take, Hey, here's a skill set of knowledge that I was able to kind of learn mm. from being like in this like immersive uh, program for the past six months. So is we it, did it 40 last hours a week? Yeah. It's like a regular full-time job Wow. and we provide housing and we provide payment. Um, it's not a full-time salary, but there is, you know, there is, there's money involved. And then there's also housing that we provide and, and, um, and, and great community too. So like, I think it just helps people kind of you know, make great connections, learn a lot of stuff, do a lot of work, um, and then kind of take that onto the next thing. So we started a new one in January and we're accepting applicants now. So we usually take and, a class of about 10 people. Oh, cool. So this is, um, it's at elevationchurch.org slash creative hyphen apprenticeship. Um, yeah. Oh, there's Doc. Uh, see ya, Doc. Oh, there he is. I was kind of waiting on Doc. I thought he was playing hooky today. So glad he showed up. Yeah, me too. So he says, hanging out with Ryan is part of the benefits package. I bet. Okay, so Ryan, last question. And you've done sure. great. We've done great on time. Um, oh, what is one thing that you've learned in the last year that's been the most impactful to your life and work or life or work? Hmm. I mean, I think, oh boy, you asked this question earlier uh, and you put it in the doc and I was even having a hard time wrestling with it. And I think, you know, what I'm learning right now is a lot of um, kind of what I talked about earlier about like, I see myself more now as a teacher than I ever have before, because I feel like, you know, we just onboarded a brand new graphic designer about a month and a half ago. And, you know, she just graduated college and she's, you know, I'm helping her fill out her, her benefits paperwork in her one-on-one -on -one this week. So it's like, Oh, you are like fresh off the vine. Yeah. Um, so I think what I've learned most in the past year is like not to make any assumptions that people have the same shared knowledge, same shared knowledge and experiences to pull from. And that I can't, you know, if, if even if I wanted to get there faster, it's not really helping them on their journey. So I think I have mm -hmm. to kind of slow it down a little bit and do a little more explanation or exposition on kind of why we're doing different things or why this decision is being made or who this person is they're making a project for and maybe why they got feedback this way. Um, and then being able to kind of, hey, here's my my empathetic side where like, yeah, I remember being in, in the seat that you're in. And I remember how I kind of handled and, and received feedback. And 
well, what, what kind of advice would I want the 24 version, 20 year old version of me to receive now that I'm able to kind of provide? Because I had people in my life doing that and I'm kind of realizing like, oh, that's me now. Like I have to be that person who's helping them kind of take these steps on their creative journey. So that's probably what I've learned the most. And it's helped me slow down a lot and help me really think through even understanding like, oh yeah, why are we doing this? Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now I can explain this. And so and verbalize that. So that's probably something I've learned a lot. And also I've learned that I am really bad at texting doc back. Um, so <laughs> He is a much better friend than I am. And I am uh, grateful that he has stuck around with me as long as he has for me being such a poor text responder. So how, what is your, uh, do you want him to call you show up on your door? How does he get your attention? You know, honestly, <laughs> one of the, the last time I saw him, I just walked into my office and he was sitting in one of my chairs, drawing on my whiteboard. And I was like, this is great. He's a way better friend than I am. That's funny. That's great. I love that. So, Doc, you're just supposed to show up and get in his chairs and draw on his board. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. I just want to make sure everybody can follow you and then also Elevation Church. Yeah. Um, it's on uh, YouTube. They can do that as well. That's the one thing I don't have, but they can go to elevationchurch.org. They can follow you yeah. on Instagram at Ryan's Worth. Because I guess Hollingsworth is so long that you didn't want that long of a... I got the nickname when I worked at Chick-fil-A when I was 14 um, because one of the guys I worked with in the kitchen said Hollingsworth was not a very cool last name. And he said, we're just going to make the Hollings silent. So now you're Ryan Swerth. Oh. And so I've been called that for how, since I, you know 20 years now at this point. So. Oh, I got it. I get it. It's Swerth, not your yes worth okay i'm i'm with i like it i like it (laughs) um and then they can also follow the church at elevation uh instagram.com slash elevation crtv which i guess is that's our creative team so that's all our designers um so we'll post some different process work and behind the scenes stuff there and then same with our elevation film is our our video team and they post a bunch of stuff as well so and that's on instagram as well but then again if you know anybody that would be good fit for the apprenticeship the link is elevationchurch.org slash creative hyphen apprenticeship that's a really long word apprenticeship i think that apprentice should be very official though (laughs) oh oh it totally i love it i i was just saying apprenticeship and hollingsworth so you know, oh, I got a, a lot of, I got a lot of or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was in Little League, my last name is 13 letters long, and it went from like one edge of the sleeve all the way across the back like a rainbow because I was a small little eight year old with a 13 letter last name. Oh, that is too funny. But that's a good long last name. I always make people yeah. design things for a really long last name. Like, so I always give them my old dog's full name, Budward Fitzgerald Smiths is his full name. And so, because that's really long because you don't want one person at your company to be like, I have 10 letters in my name, Diane Gibbs. So you make me bigger if you, you know, you. but yeah. everybody should be the same size, right? I agree. I make my team do the same thing because they always pick the fewest number of letters for the example. And I'm like, hey, we got one of ours has two words and it's 14 letters. So you need to figure out how to make your lockup fit that also. So yes, that's I know a- what you're talking about. That's it. You are a teacher. You are just, yeah, you're, you are there. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for giving us your time and thank, uh, just thank you for being willing to share your story and be vulnerable and tell it, but because that's what helps other people grow. And it reckon, I recognize things in myself, um, that I need to absolutely work on. So 
thank you so much. And I'm glad that we're friends now. And I will now know. I that am if very you don't, glad. You are my favorite part of Design Revival, for sure. If, if nothing else, fine. we got a great friendship out of this. So Absolutely. thank you so much. Absolutely. Me too. And thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here and I appreciate y'all being here and I hope that it was helpful and I will see you next week. It is a, I'm trying to do one solo show a month, although I know you probably feel like I've already done a bunch of solo shows, but um, I'm going to tell you what I'm trying to learn uh, every few, every fifth week, I guess. And then the next week, Mario is going to be on with me. And then we start with the artist series, hopefully. Um, I know for sure November 9th is my friend Sandy Hester. So I'm really excited to introduce a painter. I'm bringing a painter in. Um, and she loves Jesus, too. So uh, but she is she has a YouTube channel called a, a bit bits of an artist's life. And I'm really excited to listen uh, or hear her hear what she says and have her share her story of process. It's like what she does in a sketchbook and then how she puts it on a canvas blows me away. And she's <laughs> uh, found new things with colors and trying things. And man, the comments sometimes on YouTube are a little harsh, you know, and Ooh. just how she's grown through all that. So that's November that's awesome. 9th. But Ryan, thank you so much. And I'm going to hit stop. But you were awesome.